All right. Good morning, everybody. All right. Everybody doing all right? Good. Good. Um, For those of you, like he said, my name is Paul Percy. He stole my first line. (laughs) Um, My name is Paul. I've been the family pastor and young adult pastor and preschool, Monday through Friday preschool administrator um, here at Cross Point uh, for quite a few years. And I'm so grateful to to have the opportunity to speak with you this morning uh, and share God's word with you and share what God's been doing. It's uh, my prayer that you'll walk out of here today motivated to want to serve God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Today we're looking at new beginnings. Somewhere around 22 years ago, my family began a new beginning, and that was right here. We, pu- we pulled into this campus for the very first time, and I met, the very first person that I met was the preschool secretary, Pat Williams. Now, if you don't know who Pat Williams is, that's Sandra Hill's mom. And uh, Sandra's the kind of kooky girl that works over in the... <laughs> I could pick on her because she's across the campus. And, um, and Pat kept inviting us to come to church. And I was like, you guys are Baptist. I don't think I want to go to a Baptist church and stuff. But clearly God had something else in mind. And our first Sunday, we sat right back over there, back in the blue chair days. And we sat back there. And the message that Pastor Melton spoke that morning spoke directly to our hearts, and we knew that we were home. We knew this is where he wanted us. But before we begin uh, this morning in in God's word, let's open up in a word of prayer. So would, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. Father, we just want to take a moment and reflect on who you are. God, we come here today with the hope that we will leave encouraged for those of us that walked in with baggage today, that we would be able to leave that at the foot of the cross. Lord, that we would leave here today transformed because of the things you have done and the things that you have said to each and every person in this room. Jesus, we thank you for dying on a cross for our sins. We are grateful for the free gift that you give us, your life, so that we can have life. Thank you for the sacrifice. We praise you for the resurrection. We praise you for the power you have given us through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to join us today. Speak to our hearts and fill this place with your truth, your encouragement, and your love. God, we give you this time so that you can be glorified in all that is said, in all that is done. We praise you, God, for what you have already done and for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today we're in the book of Acts, chapter 1, and while you're opening up there, um, let's talk about what has taken place. Jesus was born, and he lived a perfect life. He healed people, he fed people, he told them how to have eternal life. The religious people hated him for that. They were so blinded by their religion by their selfish desires, that they didn't even recognize Jesus as the promised Messiah. So they plotted to kill him. Jesus was arrested, he was beaten, and he was nailed to a cross, and he died on that cross. He was taken off the cross and laid in a borrowed tomb where his body laid for three days. And on that third day, he rose from the dead. He conquered death so that we could have eternal life. 
You know, most people today will recognize Jesus as a good man. Even if they don't believe that he's God, they'll recognize him as a good teacher. But he's so much more than that. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know anybody that was dead for three days and came back to life, do you? He came back to life. Like I tell the kids in children's ministry, and some of you are in here, and you might remember this, um, what happens to a body after three days? It starts to smell. I heard it from the youth group right here. (laughs) It starts to smell. And yet Jesus came back to life after three days. His heart that had stopped beating, that drained all its blood, once again started beating, and blood flowed through his veins. That's why we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus appears to over 500 people as the risen Savior. He spends 40 days with them, eating, drinking, and teaching them about the kingdom of God. And that brings us to Acts chapter 1. We're going to pick right up in verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, nobody knows who that is, so we're just going to kind of move on from that, uh, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time And he proved to them that in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them. Now I want to pause there for a second. A lot of people believe that Jesus rose from the dead as a spirit. Not physically. Physically as a body. I don't know any spirits that eat, do you? (laughs) So right here, he's saying once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the disciples were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore the kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and it's not for you to know. In verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud, and while they were watching, and they could no longer see him, And as they strained to see him rising into the heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So what we see here is that Jesus had his ministry, and he ran his ministry, and then he dies on a cross, and then he's, he comes back to life, and he spends 40 days with, the, with his disciples, and now he leaves, and what is he telling his disciples? You're ready to go. I've trained you. It's, it's now your job to get out there. It's now your job to be a light, to be a city on a hill. It's your job to be the salt of the earth. But the greatest part is that he is leaving us with the gift that the promise that the Father promised 
to give. Jesus tells his apostles in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And then he talks about the different areas that they can be a witness. And we see immediately after the Holy Spirit is given, in just the very next chapter, the Holy Spirit comes along, and, and people think that they're drunk because the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they're so excited, and they're speaking in tongues, and they're, they're sharing the gospel message with people from all the different nations. And the Holy Spirit's power took a man that just 43, 44 days before had denied Jesus three times. And he took that man, Peter, and that man preached to a crowd, and 3,000 people that had just put Jesus on that cross 43 days earlier came to faith, and they followed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It was that resurrection power that gave a man named Stephen the power to preach the gospel to the men that hated Jesus. That power was also the power that gave him the strength to stand there and be stoned to death for his faith. It's that power that worked in a murderer, a man who hated Jesus and hated his followers, he arrested the followers of Jesus. He murdered the followers of Jesus. And yet God had a plan for this man. And it was that power that saved this murderer. And he became the most, as most would call, the greatest Christian who ever lived, the Apostle Paul. It was that power of the Holy Spirit that worked in a young man named Laverne Rogers who got on a boat over 60 years ago to bring the gospel message to the country of Japan it's that same power that lives in a man named Jason Powers who reaches people down in the country of Cambodia. Down, over, east. Where's Cambodia? Anybody know? <laughs> Wherever Cambodia is. All right. <clears throat> it's that same power that lives in Daniel and Laura Duke that were here just a couple weeks ago that are reaching people in the country of Peru. Throughout this world... God is using the power of the Holy Spirit through his followers, through his believers. And it lives in people who will leave their families behind, who will leave their friends, who will leave their churches to do extraordinary things for the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit's power that lives in every believer. And he calls men and women to walk away from everything, to serve the broken, to serve the lost, to serve the poor. It's the Holy Spirit's power that works through us. He calls us, he guides us, and he prepares the way for us. For many, this power dictates that you stay where you're at and you give it your all. Some people aren't called to go away. Some people are called to stay right where you are and give it everything. And that's no matter what age you are or where you are in your spiritual walk. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he left us with the Holy Spirit to help us to do things that the world would say we're crazy for doing. Remember, they thought the disciples were drunk because they were doing things that had never been done before. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that causes new beginnings. The Holy Spirit works in us so that he can work through us, but we must obey his leading. 
five years ago, and it's important to remember that, five years ago, something happened in my life that changed the course of my life. Many of you know this already, but it's important to know how the Holy Spirit moves and how he moved in my life. God physically broke me, and through that, he broke my heart. And I remember the first thing I asked God was, what are you trying to teach me, God? What are you trying to teach me? And I've learned so much in these past five years. I've learned a lot about who I am, about who God is, and what he created me to be. I believe with all my heart that God created us all for a purpose. And just recently, I discovered what that purpose is for my life. For five years, I knew God was working. I was able to let go of the pain of my past. I was able to let go of that pain and those that had hurt me, and I was able to forgive those. I see the lost, I see the wounded, and I see the broken, and my heart breaks for them, and I care about them. When the Holy Spirit moves, he transforms you. He changes you. He cleans you up. He breaks your heart for the things that breaks God's heart. It doesn't make you perfect. Like I told the first service, right before service started, I had to run to the back to the, the music room back here and, and just kind of like, really, God, I'm not, I'm not worthy to get up and talk about you today. I don't deserve this. It doesn't make you perfect, not even close, but it puts you in a place where God can use you. For five years, God has been moving. He's been pulling and stretching me, and he's been pulling and stretching my family. And it's been a rough five years. I'm going to be honest. It's been rough. There have been so many ups, but there's been a lot of downs. I couldn't always see God throughout it either. You know, you ever have those moments where it's like, I know God, that you're there, but I can't feel you at all. And it's like, are you ever going to, are you ever going to show yourself again? And there were all these puzzle pieces that just made no sense whatsoever. Nothing made sense. <laughs> but now I can see what God has prepared for me. At the beginning of this year, we had some pretty hard times as a family. Our daughter had brain surgery. She was very, very sick. And it was rough. It was really hard. And I prayed and I asked God, what do you want me to learn from this? What are you trying to teach me? And I asked God, am I to stay or am I to go from Cross Point? Because I felt the tug, just felt it, and I knew God was doing something and two, two days later, I had a meeting, and in that meeting, I got my answer, and it was to go. And let me pause there for a second. I didn't want to go. Still don't want to go. <laughs> but God said it was time to go. So I've known since February that this would be my last year at Cross Point and a new beginning was coming. So I spent this year preparing others to take over ministry. Sandra's gonna take over children's ministry so you can all breathe. <laughs> 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 
she'll do a phenomenal job. She's already made changes. I told her, I'm like, Sandra, you're going to have complete control over anything you want to do. And those of you that are laughing know Sandra. <laughs> I said, you can go buy a megaphone if you want. Because she's wanted a megaphone for 10 years and I won't give her one. <laughs> so be prepared. <laughs> and I've spent this year also looking for a job. Many of you know that Kentucky is a special place for me and my family. We felt called that way. We felt like God was calling us east, that he's pulling us to go east, go east, go east, young man. <laughs> but not so young man. Um, so I applied for many jobs there, and I got an interview, and the interview, ugh, the interview went phenomenal. It went great, and it's a great job. It's working with poor people in the Appalachian Mountains, and it was exciting. But then the week of EBS, Tuesday, right before I'm going to get up and give my devotional on Tuesday morning, I got an email that said, thanks, but no thanks. And don't apply here anymore. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's kind of mean. <laughs> you people aren't very nice. I don't want to work for you. <laughs> but I was lost, and I didn't know what I was going to do and where I was going to go. And the year was half over. And I felt like I was starting from scratch all over again. It was so clear God had shut the door to Kentucky. So I took a couple days and I went camping by myself. And some people, I, I had people say, you're weird for going and camping by yourself. And I'll embrace it, I'm weird. I like to get away, I like, to, I like that alone time with God. And, and <clears throat> I was hoping for some great answer that the heavens would open up and God's voice would speak to me and he'd say, here's what you're gonna do, Paul. But it didn't happen. In fact, God was quiet, more quiet than he has been. And that was rough. And a couple weeks later, I was talking to Renee and I said, you know, maybe God just wants me out of ministry altogether. Maybe, maybe he doesn't want me to do that anymore. Maybe he wants me to go back into a secular job and just kind of reach people that way. And then I said, but then maybe I'm just being Jonah. Maybe I'm running from God. And if you know the story of Jonah, Jonah ran from God. God called him to do one thing, go to a town and say, hey, repent or God's going to destroy you. That's all he had to do, and he could walk away, and he ran from God instead. And I'm like, maybe I'm being Jonah. And then the very next morning, our daughter, who didn't know this, that I'd had that conversation with her mom, said, sent me a text and said, hey, I was on my way to work, and I was listening to this podcast. I think you'd like it. You should listen to it. So I start listening to it, and it's, guess what it's on? Jonah. But being hard-headed, I didn't pay attention. Next day, I get a text message from my brother. Hey, I went to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa on Sunday. Great lesson on Jonah. I think you'd like it. You should listen to it. <laughs> I'm like, still didn't listen, still didn't pay attention. And then Rachel Thomas hands me a card from another church that handed out the Fourth of July picnic. And on this card, it, it said, you know, God bless America or something. You flip the card over, and it has their upcoming service series on, you guessed it, Jonah. 
but I still didn't listen. And then I'm sitting with my wife over in check-in on a Sunday morning, I look down, and there's a sticker that says Jonah and the big fish. And I'm like, okay, God, you got my attention. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If that means move to Minnesota, which I said I would never do, because <laughs> it's cold there, <laughs> I'll move to Minnesota. And then a few, few days later, I got a text message from a church member, and he wanted to meet with me about something. So we met, and through the conversation, he believed God's calling him to full-time ministry, that he's supposed to do something that's supposed to be something big, and I said, that's great. Let's get you set up on a plan. Let's get you on a path, get you in schooling, different things. And we agreed that we would pray about it a couple days and come back later and talk some more. And so we met up again, and the topic of church planning got brought up. And I'm like, that's great, but I'm not a church planner. I don't plant churches. So we agreed that we would just pray about it. And then a couple days later, Renee and I went to dinner with a couple from the preschool, and he's geeked up and excited to talk to me about planning a church. He doesn't know the other guy. <laughs> and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. God brought us together so that I could tell you about the other guy that wants to plan a church. So I'll just connect the two of you, and then I've done what God asked me to do, right? I'm not a church planner. And then a couple days later, I received a phone call from a very broken young man who said, I have nobody, and God put you on my heart and told me to call you. And so we met, and through the course of conversation, church planning got brought up. And I said, okay, God, if you want me to plan a church, I said I'll do whatever you want me to do, but what does that mean? And if you want me to plant a church, where do you want me to plant a church? Thinking I would hear Kentucky or maybe Tennessee, because we spent a couple days in the Smoky Mountains. There's nothing like the Smoky Mountains. And <clears throat> I would live there in a heartbeat. Um, but as clear as a bell, I heard the city of Stanton. Now, those of you that don't know Stanton, it's right up beach. You probably fly through it <laughs> or you go around it. Um, and I was immediately brought back to a staff meeting about six years ago where we were just throwing out ideas and talking about different things and nothing real serious. And the topic of church planning got brought up. And it's like, if we were planning a church, where were we planning a church? And, you know, I think it was Nick that said downtown and, you know, Fountain Valley got brought up and maybe Long Beach. And I said, you know, those I've seen a lot of churches in those areas. I just drove through Stanton. You know where they need a church? You know where they need Jesus? In Stanton. That was six years ago. So I said to God, I have no idea what that looks like, God. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what it means, but I'll do whatever you want me to do. So I started a Twitter account, and I started following the local government for Stanton. I started following their local businesses, the sheriff's department, just kind of get a feel for the area, see what it's all about, that kind of good stuff. And in the meantime, I was given by another church member, was given a book to read. And I start reading the book, and guess what it's on? 
church planning. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're up to something. I don't know what it is, but you're up to something. And so I finish reading the book, and I start following the author of the book on, on the church Twitter account. And I get a private message from him almost right away. And he says, who are you? And we need to talk. And that was a little weird. I've never had an author of a book contact me before. <clears throat> and so I said, we have a mutual friend. As soon as he found out who that friend was, he said, call me and gave me his cell number. So we talked on the phone, and he tells me that I'm an answer to prayer. And he says he can't wait to meet me. Apparently, for many years, people have been praying that God would send somebody to start a church in Stanton. He says that Stanton is number one on the church planning list. And he told me a bunch of other things that God, that confirmed to me that God was moving and this is the direction he wants me to go in. Since then, I've met so many people who have told me that they've been praying for me. One of them's in here today. In fact, he came up to me and gave me a big hug and said, I want to know what it's like to hug a prayer. I've been told that people have been praying as long as, you guessed it, five years. So God broke my heart five years ago because he had a purpose five years later. And I've connected with so many people that our church planners, I've met people <clears throat> who think like I think. I'm like, I met my people. I told that to Renee. <laughs> Remember, I'm kind of weird. <laughs> I like to go camping by myself. I don't think that's weird. Do you think that's weird? I don't think that's weird. <laughs> and God has broken my heart, and he has given me a passion to see the lost people come to Christ. I've spent a lot of time in Stanton these past couple months. Every Wednesday night we meet and we pray and we look into God's word. And now there's about 17 of us that are on board all together with planning a church in Stanton. The Holy Spirit, the power that I was talking about earlier is moving. And he moves in, in just completely radical ways. You know where he moves? He moves at coffee houses. <laughs> because I went to Keen Coffee in, in Newport Beach. And when I was there, I was meeting some guy I'd never met before. And we were, we were going to sit down. We were just going to talk. He's a guy that's been planning churches since the 70s. And we went to sit down, and he's like, go grab a table. I'm going to run inside real quick. I go, I sit at a table, and another guy sits down with me. So I'm thinking this guy's with this other guy, right? He starts talking to me. He just starts weeping, and he's telling me how, how he's walked away from God. He grew up in the church. His parents are very involved in the church, and he needs to get back on track. And our, the guy I was meeting walks up and says, who's your friend? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and we got that guy plugged into a Thursday morning Bible study group and got him plugged into a church. And that was the power of the Holy Spirit bringing that guy to us. I started taking a class on church planning that meets down in Oceanside, and now I'm in a Starbucks, and I'm sitting in Starbucks, and I hadn't done my homework. You know, you get homework assignments, and I hadn't done it, and I'm like, okay, I got two hours. I can do my homework, and I look over, and there's a guy with no shoes. It's raining outside, and he's sitting in, in Starbucks, and he's just weeping, 
And I'm like, really? I got homework to do, God. (laughs) And I saw another guy walk up to him and say, can I buy you breakfast? Can I get you coffee? Um, And so he did. And then he went to take his shoes off to give to him. But his shoes, he wore size 8. And the guy sitting there with no shoes wore size 10. And so it's like, how can... I can't walk away and leave this guy with no shoes. So I went over and I said, hey, I was kind of being nosy and heard what happened. Let me buy you some shoes. So I went across the street and got him some shoes and got him a backpack and some um, food and stuff and brought it back to him. And as I sat there talking to him, I found out that he got beat up the night before and they took everything that he owned, his shoes, what little bit that he had, even a blanket that he had just got that morning. And I sat there, and God, the Holy Spirit, gave me compassion for this guy. And after sharing with him and talking with him, I found out that he had a good life. But he came home, and he found his boyfriend with another man. And so he thought, Moving to Nicaragua would be a good choice. <laughs> so he moved to Nicaragua for three months and found out he couldn't make it in Nicaragua, and he came back and found himself on the street. Now, knowing the lifestyle that he came from, I know the opinion he has of church. And I told him, I said, you know, hey, there's crazy people in the world. Do you believe that? And he said, yeah. And I said, guess what? There's crazy people in church, too. And sometimes you're going to hear things that that's not God, that's not from the Word of God. Here's who God is, and I shared with him the gospel message. And just before I went to leave, he said to me, I walked in here with no hope, and I'm leaving with hope. Can I give you a hug? God transformed that man. And then a couple days later, I'm now at Coffee Bean <laughs> in Irvine, and I'm just sitting there minding my business, reading. A guy comes, sits with me, starts telling me he's a believer, starts talking to me about his faith, and then he's like, so what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor in Huntington Beach, and, and my goal is to, but God's calling me away, and he wants me to plant a church in Stanton. And he's like, Stanton? I know so many people in Stanton. And he took down my information. He's going to connect me with a bunch of people in Stanton. Stanton is a place that has businessmen, people that look just like you and me. It's a place that has college students. It's a place that also has drug addicts and prostitutes and homeless people and gangbangers. You name it, they got it. But what I witnessed uh, in Stanton is a community that cares about each other. I was sitting again, I like coffee apparently. God likes coffee. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I heard some applause out there. Uh, I'm sitting in a Starbucks and what I saw was a homeless woman walk in and two of the employees hopped up and ran to her from behind the counter and gave her a hug. We've been so worried. (laughs) Where have you been? Sit down, let us give you a cup of coffee. So I see a community that cares about each other. But Stanton is a community that needs Jesus. They don't have Jesus. 
I've been told there's one church that speaks English, and my understanding is it's a dead church. So the gospel message is not being brought to the city of Stanton. So our vision for Stanton is we're going to plant a church. And hopefully within 12 years, if the things go the way that God, we see God moving in the vision that God has given us, within 12 years we'll have four churches planted in Stanton. So everyone, the power of the Holy Spirit is calling me away. And it's that same power that causes me to weep every time I pass a sign that says, welcome to Stanton. So I'm going to ask that you pray for me. We need a location to meet in. <clears throat> We're willing to meet in a park. We don't care. It doesn't have to be a building. We don't need air conditioning. We just want to bring Jesus to the city of Stanton. We need basics like Bibles and chairs. And I'm going to need a job. So if you could pray for me on that. Um, you see, it's the power that's going to cause a 51-year-old guy to walk away from it all, to seek God's will, and to give, it up, give up everything and give it to him. So my question this morning is, what is God calling you to do? It's never too late to trust him. The very first verse I learned was out of Proverbs 3, and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And those are words I've tried to live by the past 24 years as a believer. And it says, don't lean on your own understanding. All those puzzle pieces that made no sense are all coming together and God's creating a beautiful picture. My family and I, we love this place. We don't want to go. I'm going to be honest, we don't want to go. But we want to follow God and we want to do what God's calling us to do. And I believe that God has created me for this purpose. What did God create you for? Just ask him. Because when you ask God, what do you want me to learn from this? Guess what? He's going to teach you. And he's going to stretch you. And you better hold on because you're in for the ride of your life. Like Jonah said, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. It's a new beginning for us. And in a second, we're going to pray. But before we pray, I just got to, I have to say thank you to this church. This is, I was a kid when I came here. At least I felt like a kid. I was like 30, but <laughs> 29, 29. Um, and I've grown up here. My, my faith as a believer, I've grown up here. And I worked at the phone company for 16 years, and I hated that place and couldn't wait to get out of there. And I bawled like a baby my last day. So 22 years on this campus going to be difficult. So pray for my family and I. And I want to thank, there's some people I want to thank. And if I don't say your name, doesn't mean I don't love you. Because I could spend all day long just naming off names. I care about every person in here. You guys are my family. But there's some people I'd like to point out. Pastor Melton, 
because he saw this guy back in the day when I had hair. He saw a guy with wild kind of hair that was kind of, that would give him the bear hugs and hurt him. I actually hurt him on a Sunday morning once, and he told me, don't ever hug me like that again. <clears throat> but he saw something in me that I couldn't even see, and he gave me a chance, and he hired me. So I want to thank Pastor Melton and Jim. Jim's like a brother to me. We've had those moments where it's like, <laughs> but we love each other. And I want to, I just want to thank Jim for the years that he's invested and all the good things. And then Sandra, that kooky blonde across the campus, <laughs> who's been kind of my right-hand person that, that has organized me and put things together. And Melissa along and Carol, Carol Toll and Lenise Cook, who have been with me in children's ministry since day one. And when I went to them and I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. For some reason, they hired me to be a children's pastor. I don't even really like kids that much, but, <laughs> but I'll do it. And I asked them, you guys are the experts. You teach me what you know. And then Brian Davis, who has stretched me like no one else has. And then Pat Williams for for not giving up and inviting us. And then there's others I'd like to thank, like Judy Woods, who isn't here anymore, who lives down in South County. But she was my biggest cheerleader in Bible college. She's like, how's it going? It's awful. And she'd be like, but it's great, isn't it? And she'd give me a big hug, and she was always my cheerleader. And then those who have gone home, like Chuck, I'm going to miss Chuck. Chuck taught me how to love people. <laughs> I didn't even realize that Chuck was teaching me how to love people. That's how awesome he is. <clears throat> Jim Welch. Most of you don't know who that is, but he was the guy that would come up and welcome us every Sunday morning when we first started coming to church here, and he would tell some joke that wasn't funny at all. <laughs> but he made us feel loved, and he made us feel welcome. And then Opal Bray. Because at 96 years old, Opal was still serving in children's ministry. And she told me, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can still serve God. And then, of course, my wife and my kids who have put up with me all these years through the crazy years of Bible college and college pastor and full-time working and never seeing anybody and being cranky and, and all that stuff. I just want to thank them as well. Um, I'm blessed. My family's blessed. And I want to thank all of you. You guys mean so much to us. Um, let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you, God, for who you are and how you move. Lord, we thank you for uh, the power of the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us and calls us to do things that we may not even necessarily want to do, but we know that you're behind it and that you're guiding it. And God, that gives us the excitement and the, and the um, willingness to want to follow wherever you lead, God. I thank you, Lord, for this church and what they've meant to myself and to my family all these years, the support and the love and the care, all the good things, God. Lord, I um, lift up those in this room that may not have a relationship with you. They've never experienced that power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that today that your Spirit moved in their heart, 
that today, God, that they would turn to you, that even if they don't understand and they don't really know, Lord, but that they would turn and that they would find you, God. Jesus, you're the one that forgives us of all of our sins. Lord, I pray that those hearts and those souls in here that don't know you would turn to you at this very moment. And God, that you would transform each and every one of us to be wholehearted followers of you. Thank you, God, again for what you're doing and how you're moving. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.